In honor of National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, if you'd like to join the fight against breast cancer, please go to www.komen.org and donate today. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. This week on the Real Pink Podcast, we are having real conversations about metastatic breast cancer. We'll be welcoming people living with metastatic breast cancer to share their stories, their experiences, and their words of encouragement. Everyone can make a difference in the life of someone living with the disease by donating to Breakthrough Research. Living with metastatic breast cancer is overwhelming. There's a lot of information to process, emotions to deal with, and a constant balancing act between the reality of dealing with your disease and trying to stay present and live your best life. Although metastatic breast cancer cannot be cured today, it can be treated. Treatment focuses on extending life and maintaining quality of life, and as treatments improve, so does survival. Our guest today is a young mom and is here to share her story of living with metastatic breast cancer and how she holds on to hope for a cure through research. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, so good to meet you. I'm excited to talk with you. So let's dive in. Uh, let's start with your breast cancer story. Can you tell us about your diagnosis and what was going on in your life at that time? Sure. First, let me introduce myself. My name is Ashley Fernandez. I'm 34 years old, and I'm currently living in Bellbrook, Ohio. Um, my husband's in the military, so we move wherever the military sends us. So we've been living in a whole bunch of different places, which is really, really cool. Um, my breast cancer story starts in 2018. Um, I found a lump, and I went to the doctor, got told it was nothing was probably a cyst, like not to worry about it. I was too young to even worry. So I let it go. But then something a month later, it was still there. So something kind of triggered me where I was like, oh wait, no, this is something serious. I need to go back. So I got seen in military hospitals. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there's a big referral process. So you have to go see a doctor, get a referral, then see another doctor. So I had a hard time getting that referral. Hmm. Long story short, I ended up advocating for myself and we found out that I had cancer. I ended up having um, metastatic breast cancer from the beginning. And if you don't know what metastatic breast cancer is, it's where the cancer starts in the breast, but travels to other places of your body, like the brain, the bones, the lungs, different organs. Um, wow. Yes. So in 2018, in April, I figured out that I had it all over my bones. So I am living with stage four metastatic breast cancer with extensive bone involvement. Wow. That is, I mean, that's got to be just an absolute shock of an original, uh, an initial diagnosis. So just talk about that. Like how, how was that experience and how did you sort of remain positive and where did you draw strength from? So if I could be completely honest, the first day I got the news, I was a wrecking ball. Like, you know, you're like, okay, we're going to go in there. What's the worst that can happen? You know, when you hear about breast cancer, you see all the commercials, you see all the pink and you're like, oh yes, you're going to be cured. Like when you find out you have stage four, it completely changes because it's no longer a cure, right? Like they can treat you. They can help you have like the best quality of life you have now. But unfortunately there's not a cure yet. So 
I had a doctor come in and she said, hey, I know this is hard. I want you to know that it isn't curable, but it is treatable. And research is happening every day. So don't give up. And I said, okay, okay. I went home and I was just crying and I was a mess. I had a three-year-old at that time. And I would just look at her and cry. Well, that night, the very next day of my diagnosis, I just couldn't complain. I'm a positive person in general, but I just couldn't handle the emotions. So I dropped my knees and I prayed. And I remember just asking God to take this away. And if he can't, that's okay. Like if it's his will, okay, help me get through it. Give me his peace and allow me to do it. That night, I just felt like an overwhelming comfort blanket. And I've been peaceful and hopeful ever since. Now, I'm not going to say it's like every day because, of course, you know, feelings are validated and we all have hard moments and struggle. But definitely my faith is a big, big aspect of how I keep going because I just continue to think of, hey, what are my God's promises? What does he say? Okay, then that's what's going to be, you know, and a lot of times as humans, we try to control our situation. Like we're not in control of anything, right? Yeah. Like as much as I want to say, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, 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 and this is going to help me with my cancer. Like it might help the symptoms or the side effects, but ultimately like it's not in our control, right? Yeah. It's just the hands of the belt, which is unfortunate. Mm, yeah, that's right. But another place that I get my strength from is my little girl. My daughter's name is Davin. She's six years old now. She's in first grade. We just started last week and it's been so amazing, but I look at her and she's always watching me. Like she's my shadow, you know? So she's always watching. So I want to make sure that I'm presenting myself in a way that she knows that yes, we have difficulties and yes, difficulties are hard and they're true, but our circumstances are what we make of them. Mm, that's right. That's right. I mean, that's, that's so true. You know, it, 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 it is, uh, so many things are difficult and so many things are beyond our control. But but to your point, like our circumstances are really what we make of them. And, and I do love kind of the positive uh, aura, aura, whatever it is that you have. I mean, you're super smiley. You know, obviously people are listening. They can't see you, but you have an infectious smile and, and certainly a joy about you. And I really appreciate that. So, um, so, it, it, so it sounds like, you know, you mentioned your family. It sounds like you have got a, a great support system. I mean, tell me more about the people in your life and the ways they've been able to help you. Oh my goodness. I literally have the best team. Shout out to Ash Kicking Squad. No, but um, my um, team consists of my family, which is my husband, my mom, my little girl are here with us most of the time. And my mom's name is Maria. She's heaven sent. Um, When my husband can't help me, she's here and she takes care. Carlos takes care of me. She takes care of Carlos and my baby. You know, like she takes care of all of us. So we're all getting the services we need just by a mother's love. So I'm really thankful that we're able to have that. My husband is just outstanding. His name is Carlos and he's so supportive in every single way that you could imagine. You know, when you go through this, you don't think at 30 years old, you're going to need your husband to be, you know, washing you or helping you or it's just a different level of intimacy and realness. It's pretty awful and embarrassing at first, but then it's so it's so glorious to know that you have a partner that's willing to do all that with you. Mm. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's willing to, you know, stay through the hard and the rough. Cause it's not easy peasy. It's not peaches and cream, even though my voice sounds like, you know, it is cause it's joyous, but no, there's really hard and there's difficulties and he's there every step of the way. Mm. Just last night I was puking my brains out, you know, <laughs> like, and he was like, Hey, it's going to be okay. And it's so nice to just know that I have him to lean on. And when I'm not strong, he is. And, you know, 
Hmm. We're an awesome team. So I'm really, really thankful for Carlos. He sounds amazing. I, also, I love that. I yeah. I also have like this huge network of family. We're Hispanic. So I'm like one of 26 cousins. So nice. Yeah. And they're all in Chicago, basically. So they're only five hours away. So we have a huge network of family support and they're only a phone call away if we need anybody, which is really kind. But also here in Ohio, I have my church family. And they do all kinds of things. Like just now they're doing a 21 day prayer challenge for me because I'm struggling in different aspects. Like there might be progression happening. And I don't know if you know what progression means, but that means that the cancer has spread. So right now we're looking at my lungs and it looks like there might be cancer there. So we're just, you know, praying and hoping that another miracle will happen because mm. it's a miracle mm. that I wake up every day. Oh, that's a good perspective. That's a great perspective. So so you mentioned your your daughter. I think you said she was three when you were diagnosed. I think you mentioned she's six now. Talk to me about being a young mom. What emotions does that bring up for you as it relates to your diagnosis and your hope for the future? Well, being a young mom with cancer is one thing, right? But being a young mom with metastatic breast cancer is a whole nother story because you basically know that your life's dangling in front of you, right? Like you look at her well, I look at my daughter and I see hope, right? Like, oh, she's growing. She's doing all these things. And then there's times where I'm like, hurry up and grow up, Gavin. I want to be here for everything. I don't want to miss a thing. And then I'm like, wait, slow down. It's happening too fast. Pause. I want to see you do this. Or I want to see you do that. So it's that constant limbo of, oh, hey, wait, I want to be here, but I still want you to be a baby, but I want you to be independent, but I want you to be helpful. It's so hard. Um, I will say that through this though, our daughter, Davin has learned a lot of empathy and she's so caring. Like she's able to read the rooms and, you know, she pretends to be my little nurse. And if you think about it, you know, she was three. So I've been living with this for a little over three years now. I had my cancerversary in April and um, statistically, you know, statistics say between 18 and 36 months, that's all you really have once a diagnosis is to live. So I made my first goal, which was 36 months. And I'm just thankful that I see that. But unfortunately, a lot of ladies and gentlemen don't. Like there's 116 of us that die a day. So my hope for the future is that we find a cure. Like the research gets funded and the only way we get it is through research. Um, but that's my little girl. I look at her and <laughs> I just feel guilty some days because some days I'm just a couch potato mom. Like all I can do is get off the bed and sit there and watch her. And other days when I have energy, I'm like, okay, let's go do whatever I can. And sometimes I overdo it. Like, let's go to the trampoline park. Let's go do this. What do you want to do? Like, this is your day. I feel good. Let's do it. So it's just finding that constant limbo of um, child's play. I think the greatest advice I could give somebody is just go a day at a time and go based on how you feel. Like, if you feel good that day, do it. If you don't, don't. Like, little kids are so good at that, right? Like, if they feel good, they're all about it. And if they don't, they're just going to sit there and tell you no. So just be like a child. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, it's such great advice. Um, just this, the con just thinking about things day to day, moment to moment, and in, enjoying and, and really valuing each of those moments. Um, that's really fantastic. So, so actually, I have one final question. And, and I, I want to preface it by saying this I, I've talked to a lot of, of NBC patients. I've talked to a lot of, of cancer, you know, survivors and families and everything else. And I recognize that, uh, that, that I'm never going to fully appreciate what it is that you deal with. Right. And, 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 I, and I think our listeners that aren't experiencing this won't fully appreciate it. And so, so what, what do you wish people knew about what it's like living every day with NBC? 
Well, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, I will say that, you know, NBC doesn't look like normal cancer. Usually when you think of cancer, you don't think of a full head of curls and chubby cheeks, you know, like you think of cancer as unfortunately, like being bald head, super fatigued, being super weak. But with NBC, not all chemo makes you lose your hair. Not all treatment makes you look so sick. Some treatment makes you gain weight because you're on steroids and everything else. I think it's so important to remember that cancer doesn't just look a certain way. That, you know, it doesn't discriminate. It affects everybody, anybody, like race, religion, preference, like sex. Like it doesn't come, it comes after everyone. And yeah, like it looks different for everyone. So just because we look good doesn't mean we feel good. We're deteriorating in the inside. I think it's so important to remember that we are dealing with something that a lot of people don't understand. We're dealing with the fact that death can happen every single time. And I know, I know, I get this all the time. Well, you know, we could die tomorrow in a car accident or getting hit by a bus. And that's not helpful, guys. <laughs> like, no. like, just let us validate our feelings. Like, hey, yes, we're scared. We feel frightened. Yes, death is, you know, everybody can die, right? We all have a timestamp of when we're going to pass. The only difference is that we know a little bit sooner and we know what the cause of our death might be. Um, so I think I compare it to COVID. Mm. I know that sounds terrible, but last year the world shut down, right? The world shut down and people were scared. People were scared because they were going to catch something. People were scared because they were going to do something. That's a cancer patient's reality every day. Like our immune systems are weak we can catch something just going to the grocery store, right? So it's hard just getting out of bed some days. It's hard just being like your new sense of normal is different. So it's so hard to just appreciate what we have. And it's so hard to just remember, just be kind people. Like all of us are going through something. It might not be cancer, but everybody has a cancer in their life that's affecting them and that's hurting them and that's making life a little bit more difficult. So if we were just kind to one another, it would be so nice. Um, another thing I want to draw to attention is 116 of us die with NBC a day. That's 116 too many. Like I'm still here by the grace of God, you know, thankfully my body's keeping up with the research, but others don't have that same luxury. So I think it's so important to remember that even though some of us are here, there's a lot of us that aren't. So there's family, friends, and individuals out there that are missing and grieving. Um, and another thing is sometimes battle language isn't helpful. Like when they say, um, oh, you're fighting, you're fighting for your life. Well, am I really fighting? Because it's not really a fair fight. Like cancer is attacking me. Like I can't fight against cancer. Or when they say, you know, oh, she lost her battle. Like, did I really though? Because I didn't ever give up. Like, I think battle language is so hard. And I think that's important to remember when you're talking to people. Some people don't mind mm. and some people do. Mm. So I think, I I think you might be the first person I've talked to on this show that's ever mentioned that. And, and I find that insight uh, to be really, really helpful. Thank you. Oh, about the uh, battle yeah, language? Yeah, it's just an interesting... Yeah. I, mean, I, I think... It's an interesting perspective, right? Well, I think, I think what that makes me realize is that each person deals with the struggle in their own way. And for some people, it might be to gravitate towards battle language. And for others, it might be the exact opposite. Yes. And so as supporters of those individuals, we need to be aware of what where they land on that spectrum and, and try to be exactly. thoughtful about it, right? 
Exactly. Exactly. Because some people are okay with it. And I think that's fine. And, you know, I am fighting every day for my life. It's true, but it's not a fight that I'm necessarily going to win because eventually the cancer is going to get smart if the research doesn't continue to stay. But thankfully every day we are getting more and more money for research, which then, you know, it's going to find a cure eventually. Yeah. So that's hopeful. Yeah, that is hopeful. That's And that's, and that's why we do what we do. That's why we have this podcast. That's why Komen does what it does uh, to support this community. So Ashley, this has been fantastic, inspiring. Your smile is infectious. I'm sorry that all of our listeners don't get to see it. Uh, And thank Uh you for joining me on the show today. Basically, I want to just say thank you for giving us time. Thank you for making NBC, like just shining the light on NBC, which is metastatic breast cancer. I don't feel like we get enough spotlight sometimes to just talk about it. And I just want to thank you for giving us, you know, just a platform to share and advocate. And I want to remind everybody else out there that, you know, MBC is a diagnosis that's real. And unfortunately, early stagers, a lot of people don't talk about it, but one in three will become metastatic. Mm. So it's just something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing all of that up and really thank you for doing your part, you know, to support, to encourage, um, and to just bring all these issues to light so that we can all, you know, be more supportive. So. Thank you so much, Adam. It was so nice talking to you. You're like my new best friend. Support for MBC Week is brought to you by our partner, Merck. Thank you for joining us for this special episode of Real Pink focused on metastatic breast cancer. You can help the metastatic breast cancer community today by donating to Breakthrough Research by visiting komen.org forward slash MBC donate. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.